Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the best versions of themselves. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women and special edition episodes that feature guest interviews and current events. Now, all in her opinion, here is your host, Maya Roffler. I am really excited to a force feedback again and to have an exciting leadership guest. Her name is Beth Winson. Welcome back to the show, Beth. I am so excited to have you here. Thanks, Maya. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Yes, another great leadership guest. So, Beth, I always ask, tell me a little bit about your background and why you are a wonderful woman of leadership. Great, thanks. So I started my career out as um, a, in public education, right? And I went into public education because I had two little kids at home. I wanted to be able to have summers off with them and weekends and that type of thing. But I quickly learned that public education was not for me. Traditional education model didn't work out for me in the way I wanted. So I went to work for a company that did um, corporate consulting and organizational development work and leadership training. And um, my career there really took off. And I went from being an entry-level employee to managing and running a pretty big department in a pretty short time. Uh, what happened during that process was that I kept getting promoted because I was really good at what I did, but I got promoted to manage humans and inspire and motivate people with no soft skills training around brain-based research, how adults are motivated, um, how to manage people, empower them to use their genius. So it was a 13-year career that I loved, but as I learned, as I grew in it, I realized there were many things that I wish I could have done differently or I had known about to do differently. And so when I left there, I went to work for a Native American organization for three years on a contract to help them build out their leadership to, to take their program uh, national. And that was fabulous. Had a great time. Learned so much, but I learned even more about leadership through that. So when that gig was up three years, it was a three-year stint. I wasn't sure what to do, but I knew that I now had all this knowledge about leadership and how to develop leaderships and how to manage and inspire people. And so I got in contact with some people that I had worked with and said, I have some time available. Do you want to hire me for anything? That was back in uh, like 2008. And I've had my company since then doing uh, executive coaching, uh, leadership consulting, uh, training with folks. Uh, I've written a couple books and here I am today still doing that. That's here, my journey. And here you are on the My Opinion podcast talking about leadership, which is so awesome. Like we're excited to have you here, Beth. That's amazing. And I want to go back to some of the things that you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how, you know, you were kind of thrust into these leadership roles or, you know, you were doing leadership and you didn't have this, like the soft skills, or you didn't feel like you did, which I think is interesting. And I relate a lot to you. And I talk about this on my individual episodes a lot. It's, it's my Monday antics that I talk a lot about. I was so young in leadership and I was there. I was supposed to manage people. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. Like you report to me. And I didn't really know much. I learned a lot, yeah. 
but it, I learned it the hard way. Did you kind of feel that way too in your role? I did. Yeah, I did. So the first, you know, I was on a great team. We were a high performing team and I loved being on the team and I loved working and collaborating and all of that. So when I was asked to lead the team, I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. Well, every Thursday we all got together and went out for cocktails and we complained about leadership, right? We complained about management. So the first Thursday I got up and went out to look around at five o'clock to find out where we're going for cocktails. Well, the team's all gone. Right. Because I'm no longer I'm no longer in that. I'm now management. So that was my first awareness of, okay, this is a different ballgame and I need to figure out how to do this differently. Um, And that's the thing that comes up in my coaching all the time is people who have been promoted up through team. And now all of a sudden they're leading the team. Like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. I want to go back to the team. My friendships are different. The camaraderie is different. I have to hold people accountable that I don't want to hold accountable. My complaining about management is coming back to bite me in the butt because now they're saying, you know, one woman I worked with, she used to say all the time, if I led this team, I'd change X. I do this. I do that. And then when you get in the position and you have more awareness of bureaucracy, policy, and how things work, and budgets and finance, you're suddenly realizing why a lot of those things didn't weren't as simple as they seem. So it's a big part of my, um, my work that I do now is helping people along that same journey that I had to go through. That is so fascinating. I relate to that so personally, Beth, because my first leadership position, I was so young. I was 20, just 22. And wow. I, I, yeah, I come from cor- like corporate retail, but I was leaving a store and then I was at 22, 23 brought into corporate America. Like I was brought into a corporate retail, but I was leading a store first and I was just in the store management, like holding a key. And then I became the store manager exactly what you're talking about right now. So I'm like, Oh my God, Beth, I get you so much. And like what you teach. And I talk about this on my, you know, Monday episodes and it was such a dynamic shift. And like the people I used to get cocktails with on Friday after we closed up the store and, you know, you know, not really happy with our store manager or regional or whatever. And like, now those are my people. And I'm like, Oh wait, like I've got to be the liaison between the two. And it was hard. And like, how do you like now you see both sides and you're like, oh, that's tough. So you bring up a really great point. I, I went through that and I share that now as well. It's an interesting thing to go through. Yeah, it is. And once we begin to understand, like um, organizations forget about that process. And they really, the myth is if somebody's good at what they do, then they will be good at supervising or leading or managing other people who do that same thing. And that's not the truth. And there's a lot, it's understanding self-awareness, emotional intelligence, how the brain develops, um, motivational theory, what your leadership presence is, how you set boundaries, how you communicate clearly, um, how you develop, divide your time, how you use the communication things you used to use. It took me a really long time to understand that sarcasm. I come originally from Boston, I'm in California now, but the youngest of a family of five that were, you know, grew up in the Boston area, sarcasm is our love language, right? Mm-hmm. Then I end up working for a Native American organization where sarcasm does not translate into many of those cultures. And many cultures don't have 
um, a translation for sarcasm. People who are neurodiverse, do, who don't understand metaphor and don't understand sarcasm and ironic humor. And um, so here I am, like still relying on sarcasm in a totally different location. And people are thinking, wow, she's just a jerk. <laughs> or, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to build trust with her. She's going to, she's going to say something mean. And I'm thinking everybody's laughing with me, not realizing that part of the group is laughing along so that they don't become the target. So there's so many nuances that, um, that we just don't think of. And I see it as my job to dig into what are those nuances for people. So they don't have to learn the hard way that I did in a lot of instances. And I think that's like a wonderful way of saying that. And I, I love that. I really love when people learn such challenging lessons and then it's rewarding. And then we want to give back. We want to be like, okay, I went through this. So I want to teach you. So you don't have to go through what I went through. I think that's interesting. I was born in Rhode Island. So I, I get you. Like my mother is like from Rhode Island. She's in Massachusetts now. So like, I get that language. I totally do. But like my father, is an immigrant from Europe and my husband is Native American. So like I get all of the things you're saying. I'm, I didn't even know all of that about you, Beth. So like, this is really cool, this conversation because you're right. Like all these different cultures, like don't pick up on all these things. So it's, it's really fascinating. Um, but yeah, I want to go back to what you were saying about self-awareness and emotional intelligence, because before we got online, it really, we were talking about how this lines up perfectly with this kind of grouping that I've been talking about emotional intelligence lately. This I dive into these different episodes that I get obsessed with. And I think self-awareness is something that is so in leadership and emotional intelligence. I mean, it's been proven that emotional intelligence is more important. Like EQ is more important than IQ in leadership, but self-awareness I've become really obsessed with. So I really want to hear your take on it, your expertise, take it away. Tell us about this. Okay. So I developed a program called Navigating Challenging Dialogue, which is the essence of all the work that I do. Um, and the, the thing that makes it different than many other things like crucial conversations or other models is that it's totally rooted in the idea of emotional self-awareness and emotional self-regulation. Those are two key components. The reason I focused on that was because when I was leading that team for 12 or 13 years, I was, my team was super effective and they were getting so much stuff done and we were doing great. But part of what was driving them was the fact that I was not always aware of my emotional impact. So if I got you know, if I came out of a tense meeting with leadership around goals, we were sales and marketing. So goals and how we're achieving and everything. Then instead of getting clean and clear before I came back to talk to my team, I would bring all that stress and fury with me into the room. But then the next day we might have a really big win and I'm happy and relaxed and I'm taking everyone to lunch and we're and so it was like for my people, it was like, who's going to show up? It became exemplified for me later when I was working with a um, client for three years who had a lot of difficulty with emotional self-management and regulation, self-awareness. And um, her team, I would show up, I would go every Wednesday to work with them and her team would be saying things uh, 
like, what's the weather today? Oh, it looks like it's going to be a little cloudy. Or what's the weather today? It looks like it's going to be nice and calm and quiet. Da, da, da. And I'd be, and so finally I said to someone, why are you guys so obsessed about the weather? And they said, oh, that's, how, that's our code talk for what kind of mood the director's in. That's how we let each other know. Oh my God. And so, you know, they had been doing this for like 15 years. This wasn't, this wasn't new. And so it became really important to me that I help people understand how to dive into self-awareness, how to do some self-coaching about the energy they bring to the room, and then how to show up clean and clear for conversation. Our our brain has all these messengers that are constantly attacking, telling us, you know, stories, um, bringing our bias forward, um, bringing assumptions forward, unspoken expectations, values, and all of this stuff that's happening internally and not being said out loud. And then we show up in a meeting or one-on-one or client engagement or whatever the case is. And we bring all this emotional baggage with us to that place. So my work is all about how do I get myself clean and clear so I can show up absolutely in the present moment in a fact-based way and not projecting my stuff onto the person who's in the room with me. And then that resolves 90% of the drama and chaos that gets created in work environments or in business relationships. So that to me, that to me is the, the crux of it all and the work that I've been doing for 10 years all across the United States and in Europe. The other piece that I think we don't think about sometimes is that there's a whole body of really well-known research on child and adolescent development but we forget to look at adult development. And so particularly, um, I know you had told me that your um, your audience is generally, you know, around late 20s, early to mid 30s. And a lot of the people I coach are in that age range because they're in the place of, um, they're beginning to think about when you get up towards mid 30s, you're beginning to think about who am I as an individual? Absolutely. Up until then, we're, we're thinking a lot about who am I in comparison to the world? How do I line up with the people that I admire or the group of five or six people who I'm closest to? How do I line up with that? How do I operate in the ways they operate? But as you move into the late 30s and going into the 40s, you're really beginning to think about um, who am I in the world independent of that? What are, how do I want to show up? And, and when you get into the, to the 40s and up into the 50s, a lot of people say someone's having a midlife crisis, right? But that's not the truth of what's happening. What's happening is people are having a reckoning with who they've been socialized to become and now who do they want to be? Who are they truly? And how do they line up with their truth and their authenticity? Some people don't handle it as well as others, and they blow up their whole entire life in the process and the lives of others and cause a lot of drama. Other people are more self-aware and thoughtful about it, and they begin to go through a process of self-discovery. Some people say, finding your niche. I read that all the time online. I'm trying to find my niche. Don't worry about your niche. Your niche is going to find you. You're going to figure out when you get into the sage range, what do I love to do? What feeds me? What take, What draws my energy out? What do I not want to do anymore? 
And so um, then by the time you get up into your mid fifties and moving into your sixties, it becomes more about, okay, I'm going to really execute on this, on, on who I really am in the world. And then past sixties, you're kind of like, this is who I am. Take care to leave it. Right. That's healthy adult growth and development. Not everybody lives that. And it begins with understanding this thing of like, everything belongs to me. I can't change another person. I can only manage myself. I can only show up as who I authentically am. And then some people are going to love it. Some people aren't going to care about it. Some people aren't going to like it at all. And so moving out of the pleaser phase into the, this is who I authentically That's a lot of power, Beth, what you just said. (laughs) So thank you. No, it is. That's so, first of all, it's beautiful, but it's a lot of power, what you just said to me and my audience. So thank you. Because you're right. A lot of my listeners, I have some in their 20s, uh, 30s, you know, that's kind of the age range, but I have some people that are in their 40s, 50s listening too. So I think what you just laid out is amazing because we have, you know, I think we're supposed to find our niche or niche, you know, everybody says it's, you know, that's a whole other, that could be a whole other podcast episode, right? Who cares? The reality is, yes, we're supposed to find this. No, it, I love what you said. It finds you. Yes. I believe that. So totally true because what lights you up is really what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And you're going to find that. And I love how you defined the way that, you know, when you're younger, you're kind of looking at yourself against other people. And then you are like, no, wait, this is who I am. Never mind all of that. Like, okay, let me look at myself. That really, I hope that resonates with my listeners because it resonates with me. And it really makes sense as to why people go through a midlife crisis, because maybe you go through it at 40 or 50 or 60 or whenever you go through it, but you realize, oh, wait, it's me here. Like I need to be myself. I am who I am with myself. This is all I have in this life. Yes, we have other things around us, but you are you and you need to be true to yourself. So that there's a lot of power in that. Well, and I think when people blow up, like we hear the midlife crisis and we think of someone like blowing up their life, blowing up their family, blowing up their job, whatever the case is. And I think for people who blow up to move forward, they're placing the responsibility on to other people. They're saying, you know, it's my fault. I can't be who I am because of my boss or my job or my family or my partner or whatever. And I say, go back to, go back instead to how am I limiting myself? What saboteur voices am I listening to inside of myself? What social pressure am I subscribing to? Um, and then and then make the changes within and maybe some changes externally have to be made, but don't start with blowing up the external before you do the internal work, because that's that's a disaster. Yeah. And really beautifully put, because, yeah, I, I do see that happen. And I used I, you've seen it happen a whole lot where things try to be fixed outside before you really look within and try to find who you really are and what you really want, because those things might not really be what is quote unquote wrong. So 
That's really powerful and really interesting. And I want to go back for a second to the self-awareness because I'm in this obsession a little bit right now, Beth, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> with EQ and emotional intelligence. And I, I just find that it is emotional intelligence for me as a leader, I think is really important. I find it really important. And being self-aware, I think, is imperative to leadership but as a human and being a successful human in general. So what are some pieces of advice that you could give me, but mostly my audience (laughs) in being self-aware because you are just dropping some amazing pieces of knowledge on us and I appreciate it. And you come from an amazing leadership background, but this is one of your places of expertise. So, and I love self-awareness. So what are some pieces of advice? Like how can you become more self-aware? I always say like, be open to what other people have to say about you, but like show them that you're open to it too. But I think you can get deeper than me. Well, this is one thing that I want to make sure that people are aware of. And it's, um, it's called the power paradox. And so what the power paradox tells us is that the more you move up the leadership chain, the more you will lose self-awareness, the less you'll be open to feedback. And the result of that is you, um, you have less connection, less authentic connection with people because now you're, you're kind of at the top and you feel protective and you feel like you know the answers and all of those types of things. So the remedy to the power paradox, and that's why so many people that I coach that are at the top, they finally reach the top and they say, Beth, I just want to go open a cupcake factory or, you know, take a cruise around the world. I don't want to do this anymore. And so the antidote to that is you, you nailed it to be open to feedback, but to even be, because people are intimidated to give you feedback just based on the nature of your position. Anyone you have power over is going to have a hard time giving you feedback. Um, you know, that's just the reality. So I do, I, ha- I wrote a book on feedback um, that just came out a, a month or so ago called Mastering Feedback, Everything You've Never Been Told About How to Give Feedback. And there's an activity in there uh, where you ask three people to give you feedback on the same topic. So, and it, it has to be very specific, like how do I show up in meetings? Um, what is it like to collaborate with me? Where could I improve in my communication? Whatever, whatever it is, pick your pick whatever you want. And that, but the the kicker is that you ask one person you trust implicitly, one person that you do not trust, who you perhaps even have had conflict with, and and then one person that you don't have any idea what they're going to say. You don't have enough history with them, so it's a little risky on that level. And what what I want you to do is to sit and listen to the feedback. Just listen to it. Take some notes, perhaps. Maybe if you're not sure you understand something, use my favorite coaching question, which is, could you say more about that? And then just allow them to. Don't don't box them into a specific direction. Don't try and manipulate where they're going. Just an open-ended question. Could you say more about that? Um, and then sit down and look for what the common threads are underneath the feedback. 
right? So if one person says, well, when you're, when we're in a meeting, you, you're not clear with the delivery of your ideas. And another person might say, uh, well, when we're one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes you, you go on and on and I'm not sure where you're headed and someone else might have another thing. And so you think they're three separate pieces of feedback, but the reality is they're all tied together in one thread, which is I need to figure out how to deliver my message in a clear and succinct way that engages people. And so the other thing this activity does is it also gives you a real feeling of what it feels like to receive feedback so that you can think about how you deliver it, what strategies you use to deliver feedback, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what's actionable, what's not actionable. The idea is that we don't have to agree with all the feedback we get. But it, it's our responsibility to listen for what's underneath to figure out what does kind of resonate. Because the feedback that we most often want to reject right away or bat down or say, that's not true. Usually there's some truth in there that we, we just don't want to hear. I agree. So, so that's, that's one strategy um, that I encourage anybody. The second piece is if, you're, if you want to be moving up into leadership, to think about the fact that getting promoted into leadership is essentially like walking into a restaurant, a bunch of leaders are sitting around a table and they're deciding, do I want to sit at the table with you or not? Right. And so, so many people tell me that they're going to start behaving like a leader. They're going to start emulating leadership presence once they get promoted. But you need to understand that the assessment is, do I want to share this table with you? And they're not thinking, how will she behave? How will he behave? How will they behave differently if they're promoted? Their assessment is how you're behaving and acting right now. So I encourage people to think of a leader or a couple of leaders who they say, wow, they really got leadership presence. Wow, I want that. And before you go to sleep or sometime when you're really relaxed, just take about three minutes or four minutes and imagine yourself embodying that energy. Imagine what it literally feels like to hold your body in that way, to hold your head in that way, to communicate in that way, and begin to totally embody that. And then after you do that for a week or two weeks or three weeks, it will become how you show up. Mm -hmm. So I did this with a leader in the tech world who was so wanting to be promoted for, to a director and she kept getting passed over and told, you're not ready, not yet, not yet. And she's like, how much longer can this be? We did that activity. And about a week and a half after we did it, um, the CEO called her in and he said, I don't know what shifted, but when you were in that all hands meeting this morning, I saw something in you that I had never seen before. And we're ready to move you into that director position. Woohoo! Yeah. So those are my two, my two kind of pieces of advice for right now. Um, we have so many free resources on the website that people can go to, um, you know, and the books I've written. So there's tons more people can access. Well, I always say leadership is like, this is such a broad and big topic. And that's why my focus was really obviously honing in on amazing women that are wanting to step into it and navigate it. It sounds like we are very much aligned on that, Beth, and that's why you're on my opinion. But, uh, you know, understanding so many aspects of it and helping women step into it. But I love your advice. And I really love 
I, I can't wait to read your book. I want to read the feedback. Like I'm on it because I agree with you. I think it's really hard for us as leaders. And to your point, as we step up and up and up, we get more and more removed. And then we think we're right, you know? And, but I think that exercise is amazing because, you know, you really like someone, you want to hear what they have to say. You really don't like what they have to say. That's great. And then someone that might be completely out of touch with you, that's great because it's so objective, right? So it's like, that's such a great place to start. What incredible advice you're giving my listeners. So that, that was really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I think that really matters and showing them the way that you're saying that to showing them, like, tell me more about that. Like, instead of being like, what do you mean by that? And being closed off because then they're going to shut. Right. Yes. yes. You always want to encourage them to go a little deeper into what they're saying. So you can understand what's underneath that. We frequently talk about the symptoms but we don't get underneath what people are saying on that level. Yeah. And so when we do something open-ended and we kind of, I guess I say a little more of like, I say a little more of like my poker face in the moment, right? You do kind of like your tell me more or what can you tell me about that? You know, you might be going underneath like, I can't believe Beth is saying that about me right now, but okay, tell me more Beth, right? But it's, and then I love what you said about, you know, take it in, take some time to think about that because Look at the common thread because yeah, Beth might not be right about that. Maya might not be right about that, but tie all three of those together. Or maybe you take six or however big your team is or whatever, however you want to do that exercise. But there's something to that. There's something in that common thread that's going to make you better and more self-aware. So I really love, I love that. I'm with you on that. That's great. Good. Yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit more about where we can find you, work with you, read these books. I mean, Beth, you've got a wealth of knowledge that you're just dropping on us today. So give <laughs> give us more knowledge. Where can we find you? Work sure. with you? Books? So I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, that's super easy to find me. Beth Wanson on LinkedIn. W-O-N-S-O-N. Um, my website is NCD. Navigating Challenging Dialogue, ncdsolution.com. And on the website, we have so many free resources. We have a 13, um, 13 web, uh, videos that I produce that are all about managing remotely, managing through change, how to coach as a manager. They're all pretty brief. They're, you know, less than a half an hour. And there's some Q&A at the end. Um, that people sent in questions and we do those. Those are free. Anybody can go and download those and they're fabulous. Um, and coaching, I love to coach. Coaching is probably one of the things um, that I love the most. I've been doing it forever. And so anybody who's interested can just simply either communicate with me through the website or through LinkedIn or email me at support at bethwanson.com. That's fabulous. And who is the ideal person that you usually like to work with in coaching, Beth? I like to work with somebody. First of all, coaching is about change. So it's always about change. And so I love to work with people who, who have a sense that something needs to change. Maybe they're not sure what it is. I do both tactical coaching. Um, I have 30 minute laser sessions that you can sign up for where it's like, I have this problem. I need help with it. Not sure how to proceed. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pragmatic, fast and direct coach. And so 30 minutes, particularly for people in management or leadership is 
um, a great amount of time to get to the bottom of things. And then um, uh, for people who, who are looking to level up or to switch jobs or to figure out what they're doing or just really want skill development in our own leadership, um, I have programs for that. My approach is coaching plus skill development. And so, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's things that you don't know that you need to know. And so it can't just be all about the inquiry. Sometimes we have to actually build. So, yeah. So anybody who's just getting, looking to improve, level up, figure out where they're missing the target. Um, I'm there for all of that. With a focus in lead, of course. Yeah. Yeah. All in leadership. Yeah. This has been all, so all amazing. Workplace. Yep. Yes. This has been so amazing. I hope you guys find this amazing too. Beth, you are a wealth of leadership knowledge. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. And I'll include all of this in the show notes too. Great. Yeah. No, thank you. I really appreciate. I mean, as you can tell, this is what juices me up and I could talk about this all day. So <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I could yeah. talk about it all day too. Thank you so much for being here, Beth. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.